You're listening to The Life of Try. It's triathlon for your ears. We are live from the Simon Whitfield Studios here at The Life of Try. Phil Rockner and... Of course, Kevin McKinnon, fresh off his uh, down under sojourn and back in where he calls hey, home. Hey, I love Kevin, it. Simon Whitfield, a Canadian. I I thought he would be sort of persona non grata though, because he rolled into Australia and took the gold ahead of all of you guys who were supposed to go one, two, three. Yeah. He's a nice guy though, so it's hard to be unhappy. If it was Bevan Doherty, though, we'd and have actually, words. Actually, I should I say, as Simon Bevan. actually, I. I I feel like his dad was maybe from Australia, uh, but he did go to school in Australia for a while. So, um, so yeah, you know, you you're, you're probably bang on. Mm. I can, um, I can remember the stare down with Bevan Doherty in Auckland one year. Um, <laughs> our editor, Timmy Bradley got involved with, it was, um, man, he was intimidating. Oh, too funny. Yeah, no, he's he's uh, yeah. Well, when he gets yeah. when he gets intense, he's very intense. But uh, yeah, he's sort of living in Victoria and doing lots of uh, stand up paddle boarding and coaching his daughter's soccer teams. Last time I talked to him, and yeah, having a having a grand old life. He's a regular Ted Lasso, right now. Um, now, Kevin, we're going to chat about. Uh, <laughs> We calling it. I mean, Australians will go. It's Roth. 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 How do you Roth? Okay. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, okay. In a day that probably went down in history, and uh, look, all this stuff is got an asterisk as far as I'm concerned. But we'll <laughs> press on. Well, um, I, I was thinking of you today. I saw Facebook um, so, uh, some comments about some of the stories that I've been posting up about Roth and and. Um, somebody put in there how come none of the stories have mentioned that the courses are short um and uh I know. yeah and i i wrestle I with this one all the time because yeah you know and and we've we've said this a million times why aren't the courses certified yada 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 and um but mm-hmm. you know i i've spoken to you know some of the crew and i hear sometimes you know their gps stuff brings the course or has the courses being somewhat accurate. And then I hear other times they're crazy amounts short. And so I, I've just given up. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. It, it's it's too stupid for words in my book, Kevin. It's, um, it, you know, whenever Michael Phelps did something in the pool, nobody ever said, was it a 50-meter pool or a 48-meter pool? No one said a word, you know. And again, I've heard over the years as well, I've heard different things. I've heard that it's accurate. I've heard that it's not. I've heard that it's, you know, um, that some athletes have got different versions of this. So I, who knows, mate? I, I, we're just going to have to pretend in a perfect world, uh, suspend our disbelief that the course is inaccurate uh, and shoot for what was, let's call it a uh, little bit of a record um and a shape shifting year again, um, as seven twenty four forty was the uh, the tick of the clock when it stopped, which is yes. Well, and, and but you know, again, right there, like you know, I found that interesting. Everyone's running around going, "Oh, world best, world best," 
And then we went back and forth all over the place with the 721.12 that uh, Christian Blumenfeld did at Ironman Cozumel. Um, and, uh, you know, everyone's like, oh, well, that was a down current swim out of like, so it immediately gets thrown out. And then, yeah. but Ironman, as I, I believe the last I saw, Ironman ratifies that as the, the fastest time ever. So, um, you know, you got me. Anyway, bottom line is, uh, oh, the, sorry, the other thing I was going to say is the one thing that we can do is probably compare the courses. Although, um, you know, the course now is slightly different to the, the one that Jan Ferdano uh, set the record on, I believe, because they, they changed the run course a couple of years ago. And supposedly it's harder now than it was. So, you know, that should make uh, that should make Magnus Ditlev's time even more impressive. So um, bottom line is he he was I think he missed it by 10 or 12 seconds last year, annihilated it by a ton of time this year. Um, and uh, yeah. so, yeah, more power to him. What a great race for Magnus Ditlev. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's mental. It's mental how now, like, you know, you need, unless you're breaking eight, you're nowhere in this sport. You are absolutely nowhere. Um, and then there's that crew that just goes all out and gets what we saw on the weekend. But I wouldn't have predicted this. I don't, you know, I remember the years of Kona where 803 was, oh my God, my God, you know, and then occasionally out of the box, you'd get some dude would dip under the eight hour mark and the, the sport would go mental. And now we're seeing this on the regular, isn't it? Like this is just, unless you are a, you know, freak. And I, what do you put it down to? I mean, obviously course has a lot to do with it. Um, but the, the quantum shift in time is is large, isn't it though? Like this is a huge amounts of time that have been wiped off. Uh, yeah, well, and, and I'm guessing we're going to get talking about Daniela Reef shortly. Um, but um, in terms of the, um, in terms of the times, it was interesting. Like if you ever talked, to Dave Scott and Mark Allen, um, you know, those guys would kind of express shock that people weren't going faster for years, right? And um, uh, and and I chalked it up to part of the issue was we had Dave Scott and Mark Allen so early on in our in the sort of generation of our sport, right? So, you know, we had two of the greatest athletes, triathletes ever who started the sport in the first four years that it was invented, right? Like it would be like having Michael Jordan back in the 1800s yeah. or something. So I think that was part of it. Like those guys were, you know, just in a, in just so, such amazing athletes. Um, but then I think it's also now just been um, uh, the, the perfect storm of the technology of the nutrition developments and the coaching developments all coming together because, um, you, you know, you look at the technology differences, uh, people should be going way quicker. And then I think what has really iced the cake now is uh, the running shoes. So, you know, we got biking to a point where, you know, these guys are, are flying along and holding amazing paces. But now with the running shoes, um, you know, when, uh, when I was uh, chatting with, Oh, good grief. Who won Ironman Hamburg? Um, the Frenchman, and I'm taking a mind blank. Anyway, um, he uh, he said after the race, 
he sort of figured he would be in the low, like 232 to 234, just because of the new shoes that he got from Hoka that, you know, he felt that they were four minutes faster. He ended up going 230. And now you look at um, uh, Patrick Lange going 230 as well. So, um, you know, I think that's the icing yeah, on the now. Lange did that in... Lange, and I agree, mate. This techno. I mean, Mark Allen was riding a Huffy for God's sake. That was a pretty cool looking Huffy. (laughs) Okay, man. Well, and then what was it? You know, um, Dave Scott on that Centurion thing. I mean, ridiculous. Anyway, but um, Lange ran the fastest, um, obviously, and he did it in prototype shoes. So it's an unconfirmed report coming out of our mate Tim Hemming who is a man who knows all things triathlon. Uh, you should follow him too. He's He writes well. Um, but he was saying that the Adidas Prime he was running in and had a 50 mil stack height. And he said that they're banned, this is coming from his Twitter, that they're banned in World Athletics, World Triathlon and Ironman competition, but legal in Challenge Rock. So you, if you want to understand why records are being broken, maybe that's a little glimpse into what's you know, what's there. And I'm not going to point fingers at what the the guys at, you know, Felix and his crew can do whatever they like. It's their race, but it does, it does ask questions, doesn't it? A little bit about around, you know, what's legal and what's not in terms of um, uh, what they can use. But I mean, I'm not going to dive into that murky puddle, but that's coming from Tim Hemming. Um, and Kevin probably gives us a bit of yeah, insight. Yeah, no, and that's and I did see that, and I meant to um, to sort of follow up on that, uh, you know, because I think that's worth a story. And also, it yeah, I, I have a lot of questions about that because um, one would imagine that the German Tri Federation still um, is kind of you know they're they're following the rules or those rules at that event, and the ITU or World Triathlon now. Um, has followed the uh, followed the rules, so I do need to follow up on that because, yeah, in theory, the stack the max stack stack height is um, is 40, 40 millimeters. So uh, yeah, it's interesting on that one. Yeah, I mean, and it is something that if you, I. It's, you know, if you get the opportunity to use what you can use, then you, you take that, you know. It's always been weird to me, though, that there's very little regulation in the bike category, yet everything else is so tightly controlled. I think that's um, that's always just makes me laugh a little bit. I mean, you could roll up with a bike with cardboard fairings on it and no one would say a word. Yeah, you know? well, yeah, no, it was um, interesting, anyway. too, to see Jan Frodeno had a weird-looking rear rear bottle holder off of, off, off of his seat. Um, in Hamburg that, you know, it was a you know, weird looking fairing type deal, but it must've been, must've been okay. There, there are, there are some rules around all the bike stuff, but uh, certainly not as strict as, as the UCI. A uh, Denny Chevreau, by the way, no. um, I finally managed to remember who won Ironman <laughs> Hamburg, but you know, another 2.30 marathon there. And then uh, Patrick Lange, yeah, 2.30 27 and it sounds like he had a, a porta potty stop along the way so <laughs> pretty impressive run yeah i mean that that can't be helped uh third place though ben canute the canute um that's pretty good effort yes first up. 
Absolutely. Uh, you know, great race for Ben. Um, he, I believe, was third at Ironman Arizona um, last year, you know, coming off his runner-up finish in uh, at 70.3 Worlds. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's been a long time coming for Ben to move up to the Ironman distances. Um, the guy is insanely versatile or was insanely versatile as, you know, trying to trying to um, win 70.3 races while he was always also trying to make the mixed relay team for the U.S. for the 2021 games. So, you know, going from literally super sprint or even shorter to um, to a 70.3 distance back and forth all the time. So, um, yeah, I think he's got tons of potential on the Ironman front and uh, great to see him having a good one there. Please tell me we're going to start talking about Danielle yeah, I mean, Reef. Yeah, we're going to move on to her now. Um, the 808.21 is... Uh, Mind-boggling. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it really is. Um, yep. <laughs> really boggling. So, well, I'm just sort of laughing because how many times have you told me she's done and um, all that stuff? And uh, she is definitely not done. And Brett Sutton knows how to get her at her best. She started working with Brett Sutton again in January. And, you know, the magic is uh, working again. Mm, it is. It certainly is. Um, and ahead by that much is evidence that whatever they're doing is working. Oh my. Okay. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, Daniela obviously killing everybody on the bike, hanging in through the run and yeah, 808. Uh, that is, uh, certainly sends a message to everybody that, uh, she is back being the, the woman to beat. So, um, very interesting. Chrissy Wallington at the finish line there to welcome her. Also, uh, yes, a Brett Sutton coached athlete. And, um, you know, that record was a long time to be broken as well. You know, 12 years and you look at the difference in technology and everything and, you know, tells you, uh, you know, where Chrissy Wellington was in that grand scheme of things too, that, you know, people just couldn't, couldn't get close to that. No, that's right. And she did, um, she did post on social as well that, um, you know, that it was passing the baton and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, um, she's pretty cool that I guess, I mean, she's a pretty level-headed person, Chrissy Wellington. So, um, and I guess seeing what's happening in the sport now, you would know that if you owned a record anywhere, that it was only a matter yeah. of time. Pardon the pun. Absolutely. Um, so uh, the um, the other things. So where does that leave Kevin? So before we get to this, where does that leave the rest of the women in this in the sport? Like, you know, destroy them. Where does that leave everyone? Yeah, well, you know, Annie Haugen, I've talked about this, um, is in incredible shape right now, um, and uh, I've I felt like she might be too fit too early. Um, and uh, so, you know, uh, this gives her, hopefully she'll be able to take a step back now. And she's, you know, obviously in great shape and ready to um, gear up for, for Kona. Um, you got Laura Phillip, who, you know, is, the, is the, the other rising star. So another German who is super strong. Um, and then Chelsea Sodaro, 
another DNF. So, um, you know, not sure what all is happening with her. I think um, it's, I don't think it's ever easy when you, you sort of win Kona and um, all the stuff that comes around that and getting things back on track has been, seems to have been a little bit of a struggle, but um, she has, the thing we all have to remember, this was only her third full, full distance race. So she's still learning all of this stuff. And so to me, having a bit of a struggle now is the not the best thing, but uh, certainly doesn't hurt as she's getting ready for Kona because it tells her that, you know, she's got, got to work on different things. Um, but the, the message now yeah. for everybody heading into the rest of the year is um, if Danielle is on, it's back to the old days. You're, you're basically ra- you're racing for second. Um, and the other thing is that, you know, Lucy Charles, I, I, I said this to Lucy Charles a bunch of years ago after, you know, maybe the second time she had come second in Kona. Um, and I said, what's the plan? Like, you know, Daniela is only a few years older than you. Um, you know, and, and so she's not going away anytime soon. And, um, and, you know, Lucy said, yeah, like, the bottom line is I can't just wait her out. I'm going to have to, you know, if I want to win Kona, I'm going to have to get, you know, get that much better. And, um, yeah, you can't wait. You can't just, you can't let her, you know, I mean, Helg's a sensational runner. You're just going to have, there's, there's just, there's going to have to be, um, yeah, there's going to have to be some some real thought put into what racing looks like when when she's in the field, Reef, and and she's in that form. Um, but it's not it's not beyond. I mean, she's not. We've seen that she has got holes in the armor. You know, we have seen that. So, um, you know, it wouldn't be throwing everything out and starting again. It would be monitoring and figuring out. You know, how best you can race, and then just seeing what she brings because she does bring that sort of setup to. Um, you know, to Kona, then pff, yeah, good luck no, it's, with that. It's, it's, um, but if you are a percentage off, you're you're if if you know what one or two percent off, Kevin, before you get yeah. run over. Well, and so here's the here's the one thing I just wanted to say about about all of that was, um, you know, and I I can't remember maybe it was ninety five ninety six. I was you know young journalist. I'd only been doing doing the journalism thing for three three or four years at the time, and I was in Kona interviewing Dave Scott um, and he was racing that year. So you know what? It might've even been 94, you know, when he came second to Welchie. Um, and, and I said to Dave Scott, like, you know, we were all still talking about the iron war, right. You know, and that back and forth. And, and I said to mm-hmm. Dave, like, did Mark have to beat you in 89 to, you know, create his legacy in the sport? And Dave was really pissed off. Like he said, well, you'll have to ask Mark that. But I, and I, you know, I strongly believe that. Like if Mark Allen had not won that race, right? Dave Scott wins one more time and then retires. Yeah. Mark Allen is not the hero and the icon in our sport that he was, right? And the same yeah. thing is now going to go for... Uh, Lucy Charles, Annie Haug, Laura Phillip, Chelsea Sodaro. If they don't beat mm. Daniela Reef when she's like not sick, not injured, not, you know, whatever, 
Like they have to, she has to have a great race and they have to beat her at that. They will forever go down in history as, you know, just that, that person who was around when Daniela Reef was. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know that people ever really think about yeah. that, but, you know, when we're looking back at stuff 20 years from now, that's what we're going to remember. And so, you know, these folks have to, um, you know, if they're going to be considered amongst the greatest ever, that's what needs to happen. Yeah. And it's like every sport in the world. If you want to be the best, you have to beat the best. That's, that's the rules, you know? Um, And if you do, you want that legacy, you, you need to be the one that, that, you know, wins against the best, you know, Um, those years of um, those dominant, and and we've seen it so many times in, in, in Ironman, haven't we? We've seen the Bardmans and we've seen the Crowies and we've seen the, um, you know, multiple winners on both sides of the house. So, you know, at that point, you've just got to figure out a way to, to, to get ahead. And, and it's, a, it's like every sport that ever plays from local sport in the park on a Saturday morning, you know, you just got to figure out a way to be better than the person next to you. And, and that's, that's the age old and, and probably never ending cycle of sport is, you know, what do I do to, to mitigate that and, and be the best? And, you know, it's part of the challenge, isn't it? It's, and that's probably what gets athletes up in the morning is to, you know, that sort of challenge of getting you know, to that level, especially absolutely. those sorts yeah, of absolutely. Athletes. And Lucy Charles and the Annie Hugs and the Laura Phillips and the Chelsea Sodaros, that's what drives them, right? Like they're, they, you know, they, they yeah. um, look at what Daniela just did and they're just, it's going to make them train harder and work harder and do all this stuff. So um, really exciting. Yeah, exactly. Hey, um, yes. So Kevin, um, before we do pack this one up, because this is a short one today, I'm about yes. to hop a plane to the coldest place on earth next to your joint. Um, hey, um, your side of the world is not going too well with uh, air and weather and forest yeah, fires, so- I believe, because you polluted New York. I saw that New York looked like a you know a futuristic uh-huh. planet, looks some sort of dystopian sort of world after you know the Canadian smoky wind yeah blew no into absolutely and, and it was really hilarious how the americans like we've been dealing dealing with um you know pollution uh you know, from from the big u.s cities coming up here for years and so of course we have forest fires and the wind switches and heads down there and it's like this major crisis and they're playing blame canada all over the place and and stuff um but yeah no it's it's been awful and um you know iron man 70.3 montrom law uh canceled just you know less than an hour before the event, they had to pull a plug because the air quality was so bad. I was at the uh, w, uh, World, Ch- World Triathlon Championship Series event in Montreal, and exactly the same thing happened on Sunday. They had to cancel the event because uh, you know, because of the, uh, the air quality. Um, Montreal at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning had the worst air quality of any major city in the world, um, and that was like the number was 195. An hour later, it was up into the 350 or 400s. Like it, it was it was already terrible, Ugh. and it got almost twice as bad. Um, and when they were supposed to be starting the race, so uh, great call that they that they didn't put it on. And you know, you and I, well, you, I don't know if you more than I, we have been critical of Ironman at different times. So um, I really want to, uh, you know, throw praise where praise is due. 
Um, so, you know, you know, those million waivers that you sign and, and everything going into a race. So when something like this happens, the race, you know, in theory, um, isn't on tap to do anything for you. Ironman rescheduled the 70.3 race to, uh, it's going to be happening the same day as the full distance race in Montremblant. Um, so they're allowing people to race there if they if they don't want to race there, they can defer their, their entry until next year. They can transfer their entry to any open races in North America this year, or they can get a refund. So, you know, for from all those times that we've been hearing everybody bitch and complain about Ironman and refunds and, and all that stuff, uh, they certainly um, stepped up this time around. And, and I am just very impressed. So just wanted to get that one out there. No, and well played. I mean, it's uh, it's hard, man. Like the first, it's like anything. The first, the first rule of of any race is making sure that athletes are safe. So you know, there's not even a question in my mind. If it's not great, then you don't do it. And as you said, the air is deteriorating, um, and no one wants that. You can't race in that, and and, and no one wants um, athletes to come away ill or um, especially. Um, not enjoying their experience because then you know you got you know fifteen hundred age groupers who are going well. This is not me for next year. So, yep, not the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And um, you know, well done to we've had on the back, shall we, Kevin, for going above and beyond and making sure that uh, they looking after athletes. Who would have thought? Well, and you know what? It so Cairns really reminded me that community up in Cairns certainly seems to embrace Ironman and Montremblant. Oh my goodness, they just love their event up there. And so, um, you know, I think that community uh, banded together and, and you know, kind of said, how do we make all this work? So my hat goes off to them. So, hey, um, you got to go yes. catch a plane. I do. And before I do that, hey, Mel McQuay, <laughs> what the hell? Well, yeah, if, if, give us a quick, give us a, give us a minute on that. I want to say about, like, about, uh, about uh, Ironman Coeur d'Alene. Uh, so yeah, Mel McQuaid, how awesome is she? And of course, I am insanely biased. She's been one of, I, like, she's been, uh, I think almost as long as I've, we've been doing the magazine, she has been writing a column for us. And um, so uh, yeah. just great to see her racing so well at 50. Um, and I, I, I did as much research as I could. I can't find another 50-year-old who made the podium. Um, I know Natasha Badman won a race at 49, um, but... Um, Fernanda Keller would have gotten pretty. Yeah, you know that was one was I, I should have looked up name. as well, but I don't think she podiumed at an Ironman um, that late. So pretty cool. No. And then I also want to uh, do a shout out to Duggan and Jill Walker. Um, so I met them down in Cairns. Um, that was their fifth um, of this super crazy series. Uh, six Ironmans on six continents in six weeks. And they finished things up with um, uh, with Ironman Coeur d'Alene uh, as well. And uh, whew, just unbelievable. Duggan did all of them. He's uh, in the 55 to 59 age category. Finished all of them in under 12 hours. He won his age group in the Philippines. Came third in his age group in Cannes. So how awesome is that? Yeah, that's amazing. And that's... Um... It's what Iron Man does to people, mate. Turns them insane. There you go. <laughs> All 
All right, Kevin, thank you for the chat. I will be hopping to Bird, going to the worst, coldest place. Oh, good grief. Another, you're going to complain no, about No, not. Being never cold to a Canadian. Again. Never complain That's about cool. cold to a Canadian. They will eat you like it's their dinner. So, no, thank you. Um, Kevin, we'll be back next week for a chat again on all things triathlon. Thanks for your time. And again, Triathlon Magazine Canada, the best place to be. If you are interested in anything, triathlon get there listen to kevin he uh he makes sense when he writes he makes sense when he speaks he's just a sensible man all around kevin uh i'll catch you in a week buddy hey thanks so much phil and have a great trip to uh tazzy thanks for listening to the life of try if you like us tell your mates and follow us on instagram at the life of try